Well, hello, Cedar Street Baptist Church, and for those of you tuning in uh, outside of our church and our multimedia ministries, thank you for joining us this morning. I, I know there are many of you that can't be with us physically, and so I just want to say that you are with us spiritually. And each week, as we continue with our uh, in-house service on Sunday mornings, we're going to make sure that we continue to offer these videos so you can worship right along with us. We miss you, and we can't wait to have you back here when it's the right time and the safe time for you to join us again here in the sanctuary. So, today's the beginning of a new journey. We enter into a new sermon series as we could look at the book of Philippians in chapter 3. And our sermon series is entitled, Refocus. Refocus. As we let the Apostle Paul help us to refocus our, the real foundational truth about our lives through our faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I, in my devotional time, I kept finding myself in this chapter, and I believe it was Spirit-led, and so I'm going to lead us as Paul leads us through the guidance of the Holy Spirit through the third chapter of Philippians for the next four weeks, and we're going to refocus. We're going to refocus on what is really true at a foundational level about who we are in Christ. And you know, as I consider this letter, as Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, I see a man who loves his church the way that I love you. Paul really loved the church at Philippi. Not only were they the first church that he planted in Europe, according to Acts chapter 16, they were also an exceedingly abundant, generous church that blessed him with a wonderful financial gift. So part of the book of Philippians is a love letter. It's a thank you letter. But it's also a letter of encouragement to the church in a time of tribulation to seek their true identity in the citizenship they have in God's kingdom by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And as Paul is encouraging the Philippians during a time of tribulation, so as your pastor, I encourage you during our troubling times to refocus our lives on the truth that we have by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I hope to accomplish the next four weeks as we look at Philippians chapter 3. So what about today? Well, we start off in verses 1 through 11 of Philippians 3, and the title of our sermon here as we begin this series is, Refocus on Your Real Identity. Refocus on Your Real Identity. As we're going to be looking at verses again 1 through 11, and we're going to look at the powerful conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, and how his life completely changed, and he found his new, real, foundational identity in Christ. So we who follow Christ should also refocus where's the true, deep, foundational reality of our lives. And we find that, of course, in Christ, and Paul will help us in that. So I want to start off by just uh, offering a lighthearted illustration that's a, a physical illustration that points to a spiritual reality. So I would imagine that every single one of us has been in a public building at one time searching through what we call the lost and found. All right, the lost and found is a place for, for uh, misplaced items, okay? Maybe it's gloves, maybe it's lipstick or a, a Bible or a cell phone, I want to give you a clue that we have a lost and found here. In fact, it's, uh, it's in our pulpit. If you've ever lost reading glasses or left behind something in the pew uh, after a service, typically many of you have come back frantically searching for it. And uh, we've led you here to the pulpit, the sacred desk, and uh, you've been able to find your misplaced items. Well, guess what? The same is true spiritually. 
Spiritually uh, speaking, our soul constantly searches to find truth through misplaced identity. We find our identity in so many things other than Jesus Christ, and so our soul is unsatisfied, and we continue that search looking for true identity. And so as we look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, here's our big idea today. Here's what I want us to get from these first 11 verses. Refocus on your real identity by losing what you have to find out whose you are in Christ. Refocus your real identity by losing what you have to find out whose you are in Christ. So if you want to refocus on your real identity, would you join me by turning to the book of Philippians? Okay, the book of Philippians. Eddie Jones always reminds us of those four letters of Paul uh, by the by the uh, mnemonic device, go eat peaches and cream, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, and Colossians. Uh, Go eat peaches and cream. So the peaches, the P, the Philippians, is where we need to turn to in the Scriptures. And we're going to be in chapter 3 again, verses 1 through 11. And if you would stand at this time, if you're able to, wherever you're viewing, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant and fully sufficient word we're in philippians chapter 3 and we'll be starting in verse 1 and concluding at verse 11 hear god's word to us through the apostle paul starting in verse 1 it says finally my brothers rejoice in the lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you look out for the dogs look out for the evil doers Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love You. Father, we thank you for this day and we plead for your power and your presence in this hour. Lord, there's so much meat on the bone here, even in the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 3. And Lord, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the words of the Apostle Paul, we see that we have an identity that we often misplace. We have too much confidence in the world, too much confidence in our efforts of the flesh, and not enough confidence in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we lose focus all the time. 
So Father, I pray in our time together here this morning that we would refocus our true identity at a foundational level on Jesus Christ, on who He is, on what He's done, on what He's doing, and what He will do for those that place their faith in Him. Be with us now as we walk through this passage together that we may refocus our true identity on a true Savior. And it's in His name we pray. And God's people everywhere said, Amen. So again, we're going to be talking about identity. Every single one of us seeks from the very day that we're born to find our worth, our identity, our purpose in life in something. And of course, as we get older, those things evolve and change. But when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we are changed at a foundational level. Our entire identity is different for all of eternity. And Paul's going to help us see that if we've never seen that before. So what is our real identity? Okay, there's a lot of things you may identify with that we'll talk about later here in the message. But what's our real identity? Well, our real identity is who we are at the deepest foundational level. Can there's many surface things that will change over the course of time, but who are you at the deepest possible level? That is your real identity. And as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we'll see that he had an old identity with a faulty foundation of overconfidence in the flesh of human achievement and a new identity with a new foundation completely founded on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so that's the focus of Philippians 3, that he is going to tell us about his conversion from Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul, and he's telling us the very same thing, that we should allow our new and true identity in Christ to be the guiding force of our entire life. And so let us look at how we can refocus on our real identity in Christ. So let's look, number one, in the fact that real identity is lost in what we have. It's lost in what we have. Listen again to verses 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision. We worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now listen to this. Verse 4. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul starts off by basically telling us, your real identity is never going to be found in what you have. So we may try to find identity in our possessions, our gifts, our talents, our roles, our achievements, and even our views. And you know what? That's what Paul found his identity in. In verses 3 through 6, we see his confidence was in the flesh. He misplaced his identity in religious achievement. And guess what? He was on the honor roll. All right, when it came to human standards and human achievement, he was all honors. He was a who's who of Jewish faith. He gives you his list of achievements here. Circumcised on the eighth day. That means he was a son of Abraham from the womb. People of Israel, tribe of Benjamin. Okay, he was part of the southern kingdom of Judah. Okay, the kingly bloodline of David. 
All right? He was part of the tribe of Benjamin and came one of the two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, together made the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. And so this was, this was pure Davidic blood. The, the promised Messiah was going to come through that line. He was also a Hebrew of Hebrews, a purebred of the most respected class of Jew. He was a Pharisee, which means he was powerful, he was intelligent. He memorized and knew and enforced the Old Testament law found in the Torah. And so, when, again, when it came to human evaluation, Paul had reason to have confidence in the flesh. He had reason to have confidence in his achievements, in his abilities, in his viewpoints, in uh, his roles, in all the things that we misplace our own identity today, Paul placed his identity in those things then, and he says, guess what? No matter who you are, I have more reason to place my confidence in human achievement than you do because no one has achieved the things that I have. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do it all the time. Uh, where do we misplace our identities? Remember I said possessions, gifts and talents, roles, achievements, and views. So let's talk about those for a minute. We misplace our identity in our possessions. We have large, comfortable homes. Maybe we have inherited family land and we've worked hard to keep it and maintain it so we find identity in that. Maybe it's our gifts and talents. We have successful jobs, a great family, and we're well-respected for our abilities and our contributions. Maybe even deeper than that, it's the individual roles that we play, whether it's in the community, whether it's in the church, whether it's even in our family. Our role as a spouse, our role as a parent, our role as a grandparent. We place all of our identity in that I'm a mother or father. I'm a husband, a wife. I'm a grandmother or a grandfather. And all our identity is placed on a foundation other than Jesus Maybe it's our achievements, things that we've achieved through a life of hard work, or maybe it's even our views because we're passionate about our faith, our theological views, or our political views where politicians advance an agenda that matches up with our Christian values. We find at, a, at, at, at our true identity, we place it in our viewpoints, and we lord that over other people. Well, Paul says that's confidence in the flesh. And even, those, even though those things are not unimportant, they are not our real identity. And we're in a lot of danger when we find our true identity in those things. So you say, well, how do, how do, you, how do I know, Bo, when I've placed my true identity, my real foundational identity in one of these things? Well, here's one of the ways that you can know. You can know where you've put too much faith and trust in your identity on earthly things by what offends you the most when it's opposed or what hurts you the most when it's taken away. So let me start first by the things that we are most offended by when it's opposed. All right? When, uh, let's look at our viewpoints for a second. When someone opposes your theological view of God, or maybe even in this country, your political views, somebody from another political party that attacks you, if you find yourself rising up with anger and hatred in your heart, you've placed more trust in something that should not be your foundation. doesn't mean those things are unimportant, it means, but it does mean that's not really who you are at a foundational level. That's not who you are. That is misplaced identity. Now, what about your roles taken away from you? All right, I see it often 
in church and in communities when a mother or father places all of their identity in their child and then their child goes away to college and they go back home to an empty nest, they're lost. They weep and they mourn for day after day because their entire faulty foundation is gone. Does it mean that being a parent or a grandparent or a spouse is unimportant? No, that's a gift from God. It's to be enjoyed and cherished and taken seriously. We ought to invest our time in our family. It's the most important ministry we have. But that's not who we are at the deepest foundational level. It's not. Because there will come a day in the kingdom of God where we are no longer married to our spouse and we are no longer parents or grandparents, but all of our spouses and children and grandchildren, they are merely brothers and sisters who join us around the throne of God as we cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God and the Lamb. That's not who we are at, at a foundational level of identity. And, and here's the danger in this. One of the dangers, of course, is when you put your faulty trust in uh, something that's not Christ and it's taken away from you, you're lost. But when you put your, your faith and your trust in something that's attacked and opposed by somebody, another danger is you mislabel somebody as your true enemy when they're not. Let me just say this right now. There are a lot of people with a lot of strong opinions that are being blasted all over social media and the news you may know this, but we're in a time of great conflict. Conflict through a pandemic. Conflict through economic crisis. Conflict through an upcoming election. Conflict through social injustice. I mean, there's just a lot happening in the world today. And none of those things are unimportant. We all have our own views. But when we find our true identity in those views and somebody opposes those views, we look at them and say, you're my real enemy. Let me say this as clearly as I can. There is no human being on planet earth who is your true enemy. Your true enemy is not somebody made in the image of God who Christ died for. No, your true enemy is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now the world is not the people in it because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the world is not necessarily the people in it. No, it's the system. It's the system that we live in. The system that teaches that right now is all that matters. The system of dog eat dog and get what's yours. The system that's always focused on self. The system of living in a fallen and broken and cursed world. That's the world. The flesh is our own sinful nature. Now we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but we gotta put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's our enemy. And then of course, the devil. He is real and he hates your soul. But if the devil can get you to turn on other people made in the image of God, then he wins. And so when we place our identity in something other than Christ and someone opposes what we've put our identity in, that person becomes our enemy but they're not. I don't care what your political or theological views are and how you view people that hold that completely different view, but don't let God, or don't let the, the news filter into your heart and tell you that you should have anger and hatred towards them because they're not your true enemy. The world, the flesh, and the devil are. The world, the flesh, and the devil are. But let me go even deeper than this. So our ultimate sin is not necessarily placing our faith in our roles or our, 
our true trust in uh, our viewpoints. No, at the, at the deepest level of sin is where we find our identity in self-righteousness, that we believe that we are okay before God by what we've done in the flesh. That is the most heinous sin that we'll ever commit to think that we are okay and good before a holy God by our own human efforts. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know what, according to the law, according to the Pharisaic interpretation of the law, I've kept it. I've kept the letter of the law. I am more righteous than any. But he said, you know what, that was according to my own interpretation of the law and maybe the letter of the law, but certainly not the heart of the law because when he came face to face with Jesus Christ and he was knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus and the scales were finally removed from his eyes and he could see clearly the risen Christ, guess what he realized? My righteousness is nothing and Christ is everything. And Christ is everything. So that's real identity that is lost in what we have. But let's look now at verses 7 through 11 at real identity that's found in who we are and whose we are. Verses 7 through 11 says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So this is verses 7 through 11. And he's telling us, I found my identity, my true righteousness and my own human efforts trying to fulfill uh, the laws of Moses. I couldn't find it there. I met Jesus and now I count everything else as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ and being found righteous in what he's done and not what I have done. And I want to start by saying when we read this passage, we ought to, we ought to know something important. That our salvation does not just mean a new destination. It means a completely new identity rooted in a new foundation. Or again, you know, I harp on this a lot because I think it's an issue that we need to resolve. Our salvation is not getting out of hell and getting into heaven, and that's true. It is true, but it's not the deepest truth. It's just not. It's not, well, I got out of hell, I've got my ticket punched for heaven, and now I can go about my day and do what I want to do, and he's taking care of that for me. No, if you're a Christian... Who you are is completely different and you'll never be the same for all of eternity. You are. Here's how your foundation has changed if you're a believer in Christ. You've been adopted into the family of God by grace through faith in Christ. Your sins have been atoned for by the finished work of Christ. Your righteousness has been earned by the perfect life of Christ. Your needs are being met through the continual intercession of Christ. We have a new king and a new kingdom as Christ reigns in our hearts and will one day reign on the earth. And we have eternal spiritual union with God through Christ. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have a personal relationship with God. You can commune with Him, grow in your walk with him pray to him learn from him grow as he provides and transforms you from the inside out you have a totally new identity in christ 
So why would you cheapen that by finding your identity in anything else? Because everything else is going to change. But this is eternal. This is eternal. And Paul says, you know what? Everything I misplaced my identity in, I counted as loss. In verses 7 through 8, he says, whatever gain I had, okay, whatever, whatever I earned as a Pharisee, whatever knowledge I had in the law, whatever righteous deeds I tried to earn in my own effort, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. No matter what I earned, it's over with. That life is over. I don't find my value in that. I don't find my identity in that. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. Christ. That's what Paul's saying. And he's telling us that we too should find our identity in there. So how do we find our identity in Christ? Well, I think we find our identity in his righteousness, in his power, and in his love. So let me start with righteousness. Verse 9 says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Stated plainly, you cannot stand before a holy God when you die and say, I'm a good person. Because to be good in the eyes of a holy God means you have to be perfect. You could never have a sinful thought, word, or action at any time throughout your entire life and think that on your own effort, you can enter into the kingdom of God, which is a place of perfection. But if you have your faith in Jesus Christ, he who was perfect for every moment of his 33 years of earthly existence, he imputes that to your account, which means he gives you credit for his work. And that's the righteousness that you have. By grace through faith, you're considered perfect by the work of Jesus Christ. That's your real identity if you're a Christian. But not only righteousness, but power. Verses 10 through 11 says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. How do you overcome the sufferings of living on this side of heaven? The power of Christ in you. How will you enter into the kingdom of God? The power of Christ. And how will one day this physical mortal body that's put into the ground going to be raised to walk in newness of life? You know the answer? The power of Jesus Christ. That's resurrection power, and it's foreign. It does, it's not something that comes from within by your own effort. No, it comes from outside in and then inside out. We receive the Holy Spirit, and then through the Holy Spirit, we have resurrection power in Jesus Christ. But not only do we have the righteousness of Christ as our new foundation, not only do we have the power of Christ as our new foundation, we also have His love. Don't miss this. Before you are saved by grace through faith, though God had a love and a burden for you to be saved, right? For He so loved the world that He sent His only Son. You were still a sinner without your sins atoned for, which means you were still an object of God's wrath headed for damnation without a Savior. But when you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you now became nothing but an object of His steadfast love. And our journey with Jesus now at the foundation of our identity is to seek after that love that we cannot earn and cannot lose. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, it's become a, really a second life verse for me these past few weeks. 
He says, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If Jesus is your true foundation and you seek Him for your righteousness and for your power, you need to find your identity in His love. You are loved by the Father. You are united to the Son. And you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. That is your real identity. And that's where Paul tells you you should find it. So before we draw to a close, I just want to have a time of examination. I want to ask you, I want you to think about the last few weeks of your life, what you've spent the most time on, what you're worried about, what you've cried over. I'm not saying these things are unimportant. I'm not. But do they hurt as much as they do because there's more weight put in them than there should be? Have you found your true identity in your job, in your economic stability, in your ethnicity, in your family role as a spouse, parent, or grandparent, in your political affiliation, in your church attendance, in any of these things? Are you finding more identity than you should? Watch God take those away or watch God allow something to oppose them and your response will show, is that where you have your true identity? Instead, if you are finding that you've placed a little bit too much trust in those areas, I want to conclude with these words and challenge you with another passage from the lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we sum it all up in one sentence, I would say this. Your real identity can only be found when you lose your life for the sake of our Savior. Your real identity can only be found when you lose your life for the sake of our Savior. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Here's what he says. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. All right, so listen to the words of Christ here. Whoever finds his life will lose it. In other words, whoever tries to build a life on a foundation other than me, Jesus is saying, you're going to lose it because that foundation is faulty. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever casts away all the false and shaky foundations and establishes a life built on the one true foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, you lose your life for his sake, you're going to find it. I, I, I want this to be real and practical. Okay? I don't want this to be some pie-in-the-sky sermon. What does it mean practically? Practically, here's what it means. If you're going to finish this worship service and go about your business the rest of the day, I want you to examine your heart. What are you most worried about? What do you love the most? What do you hate the most? What do you fear the most? And evaluate that. And again, for the things that you're losing or the things that are being opposed, what is that building up in your heart? If there's anger and hatred and you've turned other human beings into your true enemy and you're becoming someone that you don't think God is honored by, look at the foundation of where you're finding your identity and confess to God if it's not Christ. And ask God to help you to rebuild on a true foundation. Again, even though we're saved in a moment and our salvation is something that we can't earn or lose, what I will say is there are times that we try to rebuild on a faulty foundation. That's why we've got to do heart work. That's why in Psalm 139 we say on a consistent basis to God, search me and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
We are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, which means there's still a sinful desire to build on something other than Christ. And we need to fight that. We need to be aware of that. We need to repent of that and stay close to God. We need to go to the source. You know what that means? Yeah, it means that we need to seek the Scriptures. We, it needs, we need to plug into church ministries. It means that we need to spend time in silence and in solitude in prayer and enjoy the presence of God and confess sins and pray for others. And if we find that there's hatred and anger and frustration in our heart, we need to lift that up to God and ask for His help. And be honest and say, God, I don't want to hate this person. I don't want to be angry right now. I don't want to turn the person that has a different political view or a different theological view. I don't want them to be my enemy, but I'm, I'm angry. Help me. Change me. God's in the business of changing hearts, and He will do that to those who are faithful to lift up their hearts to Him. But I close by saying this. Perhaps you have never truly found your identity in Christ. If you stood before God today and you believe that you would be let into His eternal kingdom because of your church attendance, because of your faithfulness to a political party or theological viewpoint or your human achievement in your job or the wonderful way you served as a husband or wife or a grandparent or uh, you know, another member of the family, if all of your trust is in I'm a good person because I believe this or I do this, let the Holy Spirit do business with you right now. If you do not trust in Christ, in Christ alone, you're dead where you're standing. But if you are willing to say, no, I want Jesus to be the foundation of my life, today can be the day of salvation for you. And if you are a Christian, but you've been rebuilding on a faulty foundation, go back to the original foundation. Go back to Jesus. He doesn't mean on this side of heaven that things are going to be perfect. In fact, He tells us that we're going to join Him in His sufferings, but we do so with His resurrection power. And we do so with our eyes focused on our true citizenship. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks, that our true home is heaven. But right now, where have you lost focus on your true identity? I pray that you would find your real identity in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And may we refocus on that today and rebuild on that foundation always. Let us pray. Lord, I want this, these words to be real. I want them to find true lodging in our hearts and minds. I want us to leave this worship service and, and seek You to show where You want to do true change and transformation in our lives. God, let's be honest with You. Let's cast out all the cobwebs and take a sledgehammer to all the faulty foundations that we're building our life and our identity in and help us to find it in Christ. Lord, I beg your Holy Spirit to do a mighty work in this church and in this community and for all tuning in all over the world. And we find our true identity in you and in you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.